We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome. To the Pat Mayo Experience, the Friday Injury Report, updated rankings, some spreads. We got some DraftKings picks for you now that we have almost all of the injury information that pertains to Week 9. We'll also be live Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time. Myself, Gary and Thorne in the cast, breaking all the latest news and taking all your start-sick questions for the week. So make sure you do that. Also playing the Pat Mayo Experience Open DraftKings Tournament. The link is in the description of this video and or podcast. It's 15 bucks to play. There's no rake. $45,000 of guaranteed money. Three max entry. It's a tournament you probably want to play because it's the best on DraftKings. No joke on that one. So fill that one up as quickly as possible. Make sure to reserve your spot right now. And if you want to get into a draw to potentially pay off some of those Pat Mayo Experience open entries, smash the like button for the episode. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me your projected ownership for Jalen Samuels in the Millionaire Maker for week nine. Because uh, it's going to be high. How high? I don't know. Maybe it's like Method Man type how high. I, just, at this point, it's almost impossible to project. So I want to see what you guys, what your take is going to be on the situation. The other way to get into the draw for 20 DK bucks, subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast, download the show, rate the show five stars, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and tell me something you like about the show. Boom. Easiest draw to win because so few people do it. Winners announce a Monday live at 1 p.m. Eastern time on the DraftKings YouTube channel. We got all of that out of the way. Chris Meany, no normally joins me on a Friday, but he is having himself a time in Vegas, so he is not here this week. So stepping in from DailyRoto.com, a regular on the show, it's Davis Maddock. What's up? You know, I just, I'm sitting here thanking my lucky stars that Jalen Samuels is uh, is returning to us this week. Bad, bad for my season-long teams, very good for, you know, just my sanity, really, because I was thinking about playing a lot of Mark Walton. And, uh, you know, Pat, I, I really was not looking forward to that decision. 
Well, let's jump into this right now because this is the big topic of the week. So you have Jalen Samuels at $4,000. James Conner is now listed as doubtful for this game. Uh, Benny Snell has been ruled out for this game uh, per DVOA. The Colts run defense, not good. So it's going to be basically 100% Jalen Samuels on the field. Now, this should be a game where... it's a pretty fast game. Probably see a lot of running in this situation. You mentioned Mark Walton. He's at $4,500. I, I, maybe we can come up with a term for this. If someone comes up with a good term, maybe you can leave this in the comment section as well with your DraftKings handle, and maybe you can win 20 DK bucks. Explain to me what you were talking about with Mark Walton right before we came on. So when everyone, you know, they they wake up on Tuesday or Wednesday morning, they go to their site of choice. You know, it should be dailyroto.com. They they run projections. And, uh, you know, I, I generally run about 100 teams just to just to see what's out there, you know, who is the best plays. And I, I just was slapped in the face with Mark Walton on, uh, on Wednesday morning. And now we're sitting here on Friday and no one's going to play Mark Walton in single entry. No one's going to play him in cash games. No one's going to play him in three max. And he is going to go, you know, all the Mark Walton teams just switched to Jalen Samuels teams, but nothing has changed with Mark Walton. You know, he played 87% of the snaps for Miami last week. And, uh, you know, is probably going to be in a similar role in a closer game this week. And, uh, you know, I still think he's a, a decent play and, they're, they're just, there's not a good DFS term for that. You know, we have, we have terms for all of these other things, but there's not a good term for player who starts the week as a good play, remains a good play, but everyone gets off of him because, because of an injury replacement. Well, what, what do you think in the Millie maker that Samuel's ownership is going to be? I'm going to guess like 41%. I was going to say, I was going to say 45% seems good, but it, it have we had a 50% owned player yet in the Millie maker this year? If, if not, Samuels has to be the odds on favorite to be the first one. So what would you say that Walton's ownership is going to come in at like 5%, maybe less? Yeah. Uh, yeah. 8, 8% kind of like is going to, is going to be what it would top out at. And, and even that, even that seems like a little aggressive. So when I had Raza on the show on Wednesday, we talked about if you played 10 lineups, how many of them would have Jalen Samuels in them? And I was thinking like 10 of 10, but is it prudent to do like eight of 10 lineups with Jalen Samuels, maybe two of 10 with Mark Walton? Well, well, it's just, you know, that depends on what your goal in playing DFS is. If you are just wanting to get, you know, as many optimal lineups in there as you can, I tend to be very aggressive with those good value plays. Uh, like I locked Latavius Murray last week. Um, I locked Wayne Gallman when the Giants played against Washington. So for me, I think the answer is clearly 10 of 10. Someone who is a little bit more of like a, like a game theory player, which if I'm not mistaken, if I remember from listening to Raza on the golf show, He's a little bit more into the game theory, a little bit less into the precise projection of players. So his answer being eight of 10, what would not surprise me. But for me, I tend to align just a little bit closer to the player values, just 10 of 10 for me. And, and that's what I'll be doing. I will have Jalen Samuels in all my lineups. Would you play both of them in a lineup together? And that way you have access to not only either McCaffrey or Cook, you can then have like two top end receivers or a top end tight end, whatever it might be, because it does seem like the majority of DraftKings lineups this week are going to be McCaffrey and Jalen Samuels or Cook and Jalen Samuels and then like Kenny Galladay at receiver and move on from there. Yeah, I mean, the the chalk roster construction is one of the two running backs who's more expensive than $9,000, Jalen Samuels, and then like a $7,000 running back. And if you go with Mark Walton, if you go with Jalen Samuels, and then maybe you don't play 9K running back at all, maybe you play Chris Carson with them, you could play three expensive wide receivers, get away from the DJ Moore 
Curtis Samuel chalk. And all of a sudden you have like, you have a lineup construction. That's like you, you're, that's just going to be like a non-duplicated lineup. Yeah. It, it's tough to find like dupe lineups. I know there's only 10 games on the main slate this week, but I think we think too much about that in terms of the duplication factor when it comes to like the millionaire maker, some of these giant GPPs. I think it's just the, you end up in like a one V one situation. If you end up getting too chalky right? and this way you can take yourself off of that. If you hit the spike guy, like I'm looking at my season long, like weekly rankings right now. Like I have McCaffrey, cook, Barkley, Elliot, bell, one, two, three, four, five. Then I have Fournette. Aaron Jones, Nick Chubb, Jalen Samuels. That's how it goes. Should Samuels be higher on that list? Like, I know DraftKings-wise, the price is so appealing. That's why everyone's going to play him. But would you, like, instead of playing, like, Cook and Jalen Samuels, could you see yourself playing, like, Chubb and Jalen Samuels? Yeah, I mean, definitely not in, like, a single entry or a three-max format, but in MME. Like, if I was, like, hand-making 10 teams in the Millionaire Maker, I could definitely see doing that on a few. I mean, the issue you run into with Dalvin Cook and Christian McCaffrey is they are so expensive that they have to score a lot of points to be in the optimal lineup. Like, we're talking about, you know, they probably, I mean, for sure they have to crack 30. And, you know, CMC at 10K, he might have to crack 35 to be in, like, the, you know, like, the optimal winning lineup. I don't think that's going to, it seems to like right now, we'll get to the complete ownership projections a little bit later on uh, from fansharesports.com, but it does feel like a lot of people are going cook over McCaffrey this week. I Can you, why? Can you come up with one good reason? Because he's cheaper. <laughs> that feels so, so bad to me. That, I, I that's just, just what not, I listen. I'm just reporting what I'm seeing. I would play McCaffrey over cook, but that's me. And I lose every week. So maybe I'm doing it. I, wrong. Guess, <laughs> I guess that's true. I'm on, I'm on just an extremely, extremely bad run in uh in cash games right now. So maybe I'm just, you know, maybe I'm not seeing the ball clearly, but to me, McCaffrey is like four or five points better than Dalvin cook. I think so too. Even in this matchup, it could just be a situation where the Vikings have underperformed on the road against like good teams. And I know this is a probably Mahomesless Chiefs team, but eh, I don't know if they're the most trustworthy team on the road. They tend to lay eggs. Well, and the one thing is, is that uh, Kirk Cousins is really good in clean pockets. Really good when he's not pressured at all. Literally, the the only good part of the Kansas City Chiefs team right now is the fact that they they can theoretically pressure the passer. I just really think that if you're not going to use McCaffrey, I don't know if Cook is the next logical guy to go to. Like, oh, I want those savings. If you're just going to do that, go to the savings of the guys in the $7,000 range. Like, I do think that Nick Chubb is a really good play at $7,300. I think that Bell is a really good play at $77. Yeah, I like like both of them, and I think that they are much more comparable in projection – to cook than cook is to McCaffrey. So right now on uh, on Daily Roto, we have Christian McCaffrey like almost six and a half points better than Dalvin Cook, but we have Nick Chubb and Dalvin Cook right next to one another in terms of uh, of just raw projection. Uh, if people want to get access to the optimizer and all the Daily Roto projections, you can use the promo code the PME at checkout. Get yourself a discount, then you have access to all of these tools that Davis uses to lose every single week. I, I, I lose, but my lineups are very good in theory, Pat, though. They like no one. No one is like earning more theoretical dollars right now than I am. I mean, that, isn't that just basically you're the Bitcoin of daily fantasy? You're your theoretical money. Well, I mean, hey, Bitcoin's pumping right now. So I, I think maybe I'm more like I'm more like one of those scam coins at the moment. I'm I'm like uh, I'm like XRP of, of DFS right now. Yeah, you're the Facebook currency of DFS. 
Oof. I, I, I'm so bummed out that my favorite cryptocurrency podcast uh, stopped making episodes because this Facebook currency stuff right now with like them basically getting canceled would be, I mean, it's, it's gold. It's just gold. It sounds like a real niche for you to jump in and start your own cryptocurrency show. I mean, I get, I, I would imagine that, uh, you know, my taking my semi-popular uh, sports podcast and turning it into a very unpopular cryptocurrency podcast would not be a good career move. Yeah, but it seems to be like the decision you make with your lineups every week. It sounds like it's right in your lane to do that. <laughs> it would, uh, it would definitely be very on brand for me to take something good and then at the very last minute just decide to make it bad on purpose. Well. The Atlanta Falcons have a bye week this week, but you had Brian Hill on the show. It's up right now, the Take Cast on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast from. Give us some highlights from that, please. Well, the number one highlight has to be Brian Hill basically admitting that running backs don't matter. I, I asked him, I was like, look, all these nerds on the internet, they all think that running backs don't matter. What do you say to these people? And he was like, well, okay, quarterbacks matter more and wide receivers definitely matter more and the left tackle matters more. And, uh, and then he, then he proceeded to explain that running backs, basically in any given offense, they need to know how to do like four things. And the only time when, uh, there's like a difference is when they catch the ball. So basically when they, they become wide receivers is the only time that there's like a, a huge difference in between them. So, uh, some pretty, pretty illuminating discussions for, uh, for real football nerds out there. And if people do want to subscribe to the take cast, I'm going to be appearing at some point. When's that show coming out? That's going to be next week. I imagine that is going to be released on uh, on Wednesday morning. And guess who else we're having on? We are having a bona fide actual writer of The Simpsons come on the podcast next week. Bill Oakley. Oh no! Come on, I'm not I'm not that big time. You you wouldn't even you wouldn't even know his name. His name his name is Michael Price. So he wasn't even one of the golden year writers. But I'm I'm working my way up to have uh, have bill and josh on so this goes well maybe then you can like ian maxtone graham then you can up a level yeah or or, or the guy i really want to have on is uh david cohen i think he would be i mean well the clearly the mount rushmore guest would be would be matt Groening, but david cohen would be like the realistic attainable podcast guest i think you'd want to have jim brooks on before matt Groening. i've heard Groening is a little grumpy with his media appearances J jim brooks would be very good too yeah, and you know you can have an Oscar-winning filmmaker along with the creator of The Simpsons on. That seems like it would work out really well. It seems like it would be. I mean, it would be interesting for the listeners. It'd be interesting. Uh, it'd be interesting branding. Like uh, the the collection of people who have appeared on that podcast is going to start getting really fascinating once we get like 200 episodes in. Well, that's the thing. That's why I need to bank all my appearances right now. So for when you get too big time, it's just gonna be like, hey, Pat Mayo is the most frequent guest. It's true. You, I, I actually counted. Once we get this new episode up, you are gonna be, you're gonna be over Drew. However, we we have launched season two of the show now, so Drew gets to bank an appearance every week on uh, doing doing basketball shows. So he's gonna pass you very, and you're not gonna be able to catch up. I right, see. So you say I can't catch up. Don't doubt me. All right. I'm like John Locke from Lost. Don't tell me what I can't do, Davis. Where do you where do you stand on Lost? Thumbs Love up, Lost. thumbs down. Big thumbs up. Love Lost. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm yeah, as I'm as frustrated with the ending as everyone else is, but like I would take like I've rewatched it like five or six times now. Like I, I'm in on the journey of Lost. It's just it's a great rewatch. And if you want to be pissed about the ending and that like ruins the entire thing for you, then fuck off. The rest of the show is great. I the the actual ending, as in the finale episode, did not make me 
too upset. The the by far to me the most disappointing thing was how they ended Saeed's storyline because he was my he was my favorite character, and the the fact that he basically just became like a a murder zombie at the end. I I really I really hated that. Yeah, listen, if you just want to watch to the end of season five and come up with your own ending, and, that's probably yeah, the optimal way to there. do it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't hate that. Where do you uh where do you stand on Breaking Bad versus The Wire in terms of like greatest show ever? I mean, I don't know if those would be the final two in my discussion, but The Wire is significantly better than Breaking Bad. Really? Yeah. I, I'm I, so I'm rewatching Breaking Bad right now and, and I am sort of taken aback by it. like I did not remember it being quite as good as it is. I, I'm like I'm right near the end of season three and I'm like, this is very good TV. Oh, it's it's amazing. Listen, I'm not here to disparage how good Breaking Bad was, but it really relies very much on like the lost template of the last five minutes of every episode. It's made for binge right. watching. It's it's funny that yes, it was yeah. a series that just came on, but it makes a lot of sense that it got so popular when people started binging it because you would watch an episode at like one in the morning. You'd see the last five minutes of an episode and be like, oh shit, I need to watch what's next. The Wire is not like that. No, no, The Wire is more of like, uh, it's like you're reading a book. Like, it's, it's just a little bit more of a of a continuous storyline, and, and you can keep watching, and, you know, all of the interactions and moments are meaningful, and there's, you know, great callbacks and stuff uh, later on in the seasons as well. I, I completely agree. Like, I'm still on board with Mad Men being better than both of them, so that's my crazy take on the situation. But Mad Men is just, it's it's really the peak. Like, you, you can throw Sopranos in there as well, but, like, I do think that overall Mad Men is the best of all those shows i uh are, i don't know if this is going to get me kicked off but i i never finished mad men how did you not finish mad men it was too good you were like i can't watch this this just doesn't so deserve I, my viewing so if i remember right i had cable when i lived at one of my houses in college and then i moved from one group of buddies into another group of buddies in college and had been watching it with the one group and like, you know, in between seasons happen. And I think I just never watched seasons five and six. Wow. Wow. That seems like a better use of your time than rewatching Breaking Bad for the fifth time. Uh, this is only my second time. This is only my second time rewatching Breaking Bad. So maybe, maybe after this, I will rewatch Mad Men. It's funny. Meanie gets off the show for one week and we get derailed like seven minutes into the show. Let's go back to running backs here. The full injury report as I have it right now. Jalen Samuels, Trey Carson, Royce Freeman, Miles Sanders, and Darren Sproles all (coughs) expected to play. James Conner, doubtful. Benny Snell out. Chris Thompson out for the Redskins. Some more. Peterson Wendell Smallwood, 1-2 against the Bills. That's really it. Does anything there really stick out to you as something we really need to pay attention to because that's all really back end type of stuff. Maybe Trey Carson starts for the lions, but do you really want to start any lions running back? We fell into that trap last week. And if people want to say that the Ty Johnson situation is equivalent to the Jalen Samuel situation, it's not. No, it's not because JD McKissick is still going to play a fair bit. However, I'm, I probably, I actually don't know if I'm doing 150 teams this week because I really, I just don't really like the games all that much. And I think the chalk spots are so obvious. Um, but if I, if I do end up deciding to register for, you know, for 500 lineups again or whatever this week, Ty Johnson would definitely be in my MME mix because, uh, you know, super high total game. It's an ax, It's like a way to get players in that game who, I mean, Ty Johnson is going to be like 3% owned after disappointing people last week. There is no way he gets to three. If he's 0.3% owned, I'd be stunned. Yeah, so he just, he's completely off the board. 
Uh, he actually had a touchdown last week. Stafford just overthrew him, but he was he was wide open. He was right there. If he scores that touchdown, people are happy with him. And, you know, the fact that Carson, like, basically didn't practice on Friday, from what I read, they cut Paul Perkins. Uh, it, it seems like he should be in line for about 50% of the snaps, you know, probably 10 to 13 rushes and, uh, you know, like four to six targets. So that that's pretty good to me against Oakland. I thought Carson returned to practice today. I thought that was the thing. The, the tweet that I saw was that he was at practice, but he basically just like stood around watching people on the side. Like he didn't get it. He didn't get full work in at all. And see, the, the, the last report was Matt Patricia confirms Trey Carson will practice on Friday. That would be it. That would be today. And Paul Perkins re-signed to the practice squad where he had once lived. Good for him. Yeah, I I, I mean, they, and I also think they, didn't they sign Jai as well? Or, or maybe they just brought him in for a workout. Yeah, they, they worked him out today. So I guess maybe that's probably kind of shows that maybe Trey Carson doesn't play or not. I did, wasn't even really thinking of Ty Johnson at all. Like how far down the season long list would you have to go to start Ty Johnson on your team this week? I would start him over any of the Tampa Bay running backs, yeah. which is decisions that people are going to have to make. Like I have him right now in between Tariq Cohen and Kalen Balaj in my rankings at like 38. Oh, I would start him over those guys. I, I would start him over everyone up to like the Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy wrote. Like I would start him over Hines. I would start him over Madison, Dion Lewis, uh, Rashad yeah. Penny, oh, Wendell uh, oh, Smallwood. Oh, I'm with you on that. So the rankings actually go Jamal Williams, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, Sony Michelle, Mark Walton, Miles Sanders, Singletary, McCoy, Duke Johnson, Tariq Cohen, Ty Johnson. See, like, I think I would play, like, I mean, our rankings obviously are not going to be exactly the same, but like, I, like I would probably, I would for sure play him over Adrian Peterson. Really? Why? Adrian Peterson's going to get like six points this week. He might, but that's probably, I mean, if you told me that Adrian Peterson had six points by the end of the game, that still might be more than Ty Johnson. No, Ty, Ty Johnson, he's going to get points. He's going to get points this week. I, I feel pretty good about him getting, like having a, a good PPR day. All right, we'll see about that. I, I don't really have a strong take either way. It just feels like he's not going to do very I, well. I also, I also, Pat, I really need this for uh, two of my high-stakes fantasy football teams. We went all in on him on Fab, so I'm definitely approaching this situation with rose-colored Ty Johnson glasses. Ah, yes. It's like when anyone tunes into my challenge show and I'm just big on Jordan on the challenge. It's because he's the captain of my fantasy team. I need him to do it. Yeah, well. this is this is the same thing. Yeah, basically, like Ty, like, Ty Johnson, if he has a really good week this week, is going to, like, lock me into profit this year in high-stakes fantasy football by getting one of our, like, big teams into the playoffs. So that's going to be very crucial for me. Wide receiver injuries going in to week nine. I got Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Marquise Brown, Adam Thielen, and Sterling Shepard, who passed concussion protocol, all is in. I added D.D. Westbrook into the rankings as well. It appears like he is going to try to play in the early game in London, so you're going to know right I, away. I do not trust it, though. I, I, think I, 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 don't, it, I don't think he makes it through the entire game. That's a problem. But yeah. if he's playing, I have to rank him somewhere. I can't just say he's out. Because if he does play, that means he's going to take snaps away from Chris Conley, which then renders him inert as well actually conley has played a little bit more than i realized he's been over 70 percent of the snaps for two weeks in a row which means he was playing a little bit uh before he's just been they, they've just been playing with less tight ends because uh they only have a rookie left their only tight ends on the roster now are josh oliver and seth devalve so they've been using uh conley they've just been using more um like four wide receiver stuff 
But uh, yeah, I, I have DD ranked like 10 spots lower this week than I would if I thought he was fully healthy. Yeah, I have him way down in the rankings just because of the re-injury risk that comes along with him this week. Like I have him... Let's see. Deshaun Jackson's actually on track to play as well. Like I have Deshaun Jackson ahead of him. Um, yeah, I would play Deshaun Jackson over him for sure. Just because Deshaun Jackson can, he, he can just do it on one play. He doesn't even have to come back and play a hundred percent of the snaps. He can come back and play 25% of the snaps and just get one long one. I actually have DD Westbrook one spot behind Taylor Gabriel in the rankings. So that that's where I'm feeling him this week. Yeah, I have. So I have Westbrook in a couple leagues and uh, I, I, just, I, I, I have, I'm going to start him. I have him on like all my teams and I'm trying to figure out a way to not have to play him this week. Well, here, here's your way. Uh, we, we, uh, you just pick up Zach Pascal starting with T Y Hilton out. Yeah, that's fine. I have Zach Pascal listed above him. So yeah, the rest of the injury report at receiver Curtis Samuel hasn't practiced all week, but they're still saying that he's likely to play against Tennessee. We'll see. Well, wait, no, he practiced Wednesday, right? And then got hurt. Then got hurt. He hasn't practiced the next two days, but they're saying that he's more likely to play than not play. Yeah, I mean, that's a huge decision point. Uh, he is basically the number one value wide receiver of the week in terms of uh, both ownership projections and like the actual projections that uh, that I'm using here at Daily Roto. Like he is, for me though, I, w- I would rather play DJ Moore who just is like the more stable week to week scoring wide receiver. But uh, people, people love themselves some Curtis Samuel, Pat. I, I don't know how this happened, but he has quite the online following yeah it's matt Herman. matt Herman wrote him up in the preseason everyone jumped aboard i've been big on i love dj Moore. i'm using dj Moore this week i i basically use dj Moore. i wouldn't say every week but i did when cam was starting but right now he's well, still, he, he's still he's gonna like, get like 25 percent of the market share in that offense like yeah if mccaffrey's not doing it then it's gonna be dj Moore. Well, the really interesting thing about uh, about that offense is they are super narrow in terms of their usage. I mean, three players basically get about 70% of their offense, but uh, people are going to have to ask themselves, okay, am I comfortable playing Moore and Samuel together without Kyle Allen? Because those are going to be a ton of the lineups that you get when you're, if you're using an optimizer or even if you're hand building, if you're sitting there, you know, you're sitting the night before and you're at your hand building teams on DraftKings and you're like, okay, I got, got McCaffrey. Uh, I think DJ Moore's a really good play. Okay. I got the guy like a tight end. I got this running back. Like, okay, I need a cheap wide receiver. You're going to see Curtis Samuel's name there. And you have to ask yourself, like, am I really going to play three Panthers in the same lineup without their quarterback? Like, I don't, I think maybe it might be good on like a 50th, like a median projection perspective, but there's like no way that can be good from a ceiling perspective. No, obviously not. Like I'm just good with not playing Curtis Samuel on DraftKings, but I, I would even try to find almost like DD Westbrook. Like, I don't know how serious or non-serious this injury is, but it feels like if he's mispracticed the last two days after getting injured mis- midweek, mm-hmm. that he would have a high likelihood of getting re-injured over like a neutral situation. Or of just not being able to play his full complement of snaps. Like maybe it's a, a pain management thing and he's got, you know, his shoulders hurt and he takes a hit and he comes out and then he comes back in. And it seems like maybe they probably wouldn't call a lot of uh, over the field type stuff with him. Like it it, it feels like a, a situation to be avoided, really. Like if that's a spot where you only have $4,300 left and you need a receiver, or let's say you have 45. There are guys there. Yeah. Like I think that Jarvis Landry is a fine play, Devontae Parker. Preston Williams, Zach Pascal, like you mentioned, like I'd play all four of those guys on DraftKings over playing Curtis Samuel. I'd probably play all four of those guys in the season long over Curtis Samuel. How did you, uh, how did, how did you not mention Michael Leone's boy, super cool Cole Beasley? 
he doesn't play the full complement of snaps when Duke Williams is healthy. And I just, no, no for Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley, when it's just him, it's 100% of the snaps, and you know that the Bills are going to be in passing situations. I like it. But he's essentially Hunter Renfro at this point, who's not good. Well, yeah, Hunter Renfro is not good, but I mean, Beasley is kind of like their substitute for the rushing game when things are not going well. But I mean, the point you make is is definitely valid, which is things are going to go fine for them against Washington this week. It's just not going to be a big deal. Yeah, like even circling back to the low-end running backs, Samuels and Walton are clearly the two best values, but like Gore and Peterson are down there. I could see those two combining for 45 carries this week. That just It feels like that type of game. Yeah, Gore did not play very much last week, though. Gore yeah, only because, be, no, he, be, because they were down. But if, if they're nine and a half point favorites this week, like we've seen this earlier in the year, too, when they were losing to the Patriots before he got hurt. Singletary was playing all these snaps. He plays when they're losing because he's the pass catcher. When they're up, it's all Gore. You know what's so funny about that? Devin Singletary is not even a good pass catcher. He's short and he's slow and he's overweight. Like it, it it's crazy to me that he is the pass catching back when he is like that just like you think of guys like you know Chris Thompson, Jalen Richard, like really fast, agile guys, and Devin Singletary is like CJ Anderson. I don't know about that. Like the acceleration that he shows when he turns the corner is really impressive to like watch in real time. You see it with some of these guys. Like Miles Sanders can't get to the outside in order to turn the corner, but once he does, like he looks really impressive. Daryl Henderson's probably the best one. Like the acceleration that he has once he has the opening, I feel like Singletary is sort of in his bucket. Like you're just surprised he's so fast. Well, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not touting any of this based on uh, grinding the film. I'm, I'm literally just basing it all on combine numbers. And Devin Singletary is not fast. I mean, I watched the games, and he does seem pretty fast to me. That the touchdown he scored last week was really impressive. I thought, I thought it was really good. So, yeah, I, you might need to reevaluate your situation on Devin Singletary. I think he's a bad fantasy play because I think they're up on this game and he's just not going to be on the field. Yeah, yeah, he, he's not. He's not in the mix this week at all. Probably the, will only be playing John Brown from this game. I don't even know if I want to do that. So the rest of the guys, so Samuel, likely to play no practice. Uh, same as D.D. Westbrook. Nikhil Harry could come back. Would you pick him up in season long? Oh, definitely. I, I have picked him up in uh, some of like my uh, six and two, seven and one teams. I just because they they have such a, a vacancy at wide receiver. You know, Philip Dorsett is fine. Jacoby Myers is fine. Julian Edelman is you know he's just going to always be what Julian Edelman is. But they don't really have a tight end that they trust. You know, Ben Watson has has just been barely been involved, and you know they they don't like to use James White a ton during the regular season. So I, I kind of think that Keel Harry might have quite a decent second half of the year so as a spec ad you're in on it but like he may he might not even play this week against the ravens like there's no way you'd play him this week not knowing what his status might be and that's the sunday night game so if you actually relied on him to be active not knowing anything because he hasn't played a snap this year you might be shit out of luck i i would not start him until the patriots started him and and like after that game so like I would need a game for him to play, you know, 60% of the snaps, Jacoby Myers to play like none of them and for him to have like played well. But if you had Jacoby Myers on your team right now, they're both bench guys, you'd make that swap. Yeah, because I like, again, Jacoby Myers was a good speculative ad and, uh, you know, it's just, he's too far down the pecking order. They, they're going to run a lot. Uh, Julian Edelman's going to get all the easy targets. Philip Dorsett's going to get all the deep targets. So there's just not really much of, which by the way, was the problem 
for Josh Gordon to like, he just, that role doesn't really exist in the Patriots offense anymore. Cause they, they don't throw deep anymore. What would you do with Josh? If you still had Josh Gordon, you hadn't cut him yet. Would you, keep oh, him if on? you cut him, if you cut him right now, you'd, you'd feel like an idiot. Like just because wherever he goes, he's clearly not that injured. So wherever he goes, he's going to get a chance to play. I would think and I still think he's pretty good. Like, I, I still think he's got some juice. So you definitely if don't cut him. And if he's on your waiver wire, you should add him. Just to see where he ends up playing? Yeah, at the, at the, at the very worst, you're picking up an asset that is at its absolute bottom. He will never be worth less than he will. I mean, you know, five years from now, he'll be worth less or whatever, or if he retires. But he is, he is at a total nadir of value right now. Where do you think that the optimal location for him to go fantasy-wise, maybe even real-life-wise at this point? It feels like it's the Colts, doesn't it? Oh, I think it's Kansas City. Because how, how many receivers can Kansas City have? Well, Tyreek is best used as like a gimmick. He, he just is not a real wide receiver one. The team has clearly realized the limitations for Sammy Watkins. So then your 11 personnel is Tyreek in the slot. Sammy Watkins as uh, the move guy, so at the Y, and then Josh Gordon becomes like a real actual X wide receiver, which the team is miscat. Like they're trying to make Sammy that guy, and he, he just can't do it. I can see how it benefits their receiving core. They don't desperately need a receiver, though, especially with now T.Y. Hilton out three to four weeks, that if you can get, like, tread water while he's out, you have Josh Gordon, and then you have T.Y. coming back. Like, now your offense looks pretty good. I, yeah, I think I think that is a, an interesting situation. Also, the Chargers seem interesting to me hmm. because they 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 have uh, you know Mike Williams is another guy who just he just seems to be miscast as a volume wide receiver. Like he's just kind of like evolutionary Travis Benjamin, which is kind of funny because they've been teammates for uh, for two years. And you know Keenan is banged up; he's got this hamstring injury. They are horrible at running the ball, so they really need to be focusing more assets on the passing game and he would give them, he would definitely give them a different dimension. And they would, they actually have the best chance of getting them of the three teams that we mentioned, cause they have the worst record. Do you think any of these, like the skins or the dolphins or the one in six teams, one in seven teams that they'll take a shot on? Cause they'll have first crack based on waiver priority. Well, I would think the Dolphins should because their whole deal is just trying to gather assets. So I think theoretically they could claim him, play him for the rest of the year, give him a new contract this offseason, and then either trade him on that new contract to get a pick or just keep him on the roster all year. And if he leaves, you get a compensatory pick. I don't know if the Dolphins, maybe the Dolphins have been doing a lot of really savvy things in order to not only tank, but try to yeah, but appreciate man, that, that on-field product though. It is tough to watch. Yeah, it's not like they're losing money. Yeah, the the 76ers, like, it's, what's so funny is the tanking 76ers were, like, actually kind of fun to watch in terms, because they, they just had all these young athletic guys, and uh, tanking football is, is, is just not fun to watch. Uh, Marquise Lee ruled out. Will Fuller ruled out. I'm really pissed that Houston's not on the main slate this week, because this would have been a perfect go-back-to-Kenny-Still spot. Yeah, uh, I mean, our, I guess they're they're on that Sunday morning showdown slate, and uh, definitely he he played ninety percent of the snaps each of the last two weeks. Um, he's like he's a guy if you have him in seasonal, that that's just got to be a bank for sure. Yeah, I am top twenty five this week. Plus, the only drawback is it looks like Tunsil and Titus Howard are game time decisions. They're probably not going to play. Like Jags D is going to eat Deshaun Watson alive this week. He's going to have no time for anything. 
do you do you like the the Jaguar side of that game? I do. Jags plus two. That's that's the play. yeah yeah. I like the Houston side. Really? How come? I mean, it's it's very reductive, but oftentimes on spreads that close, I just kind of think, well, which quarterback is better? And uh, Gardner Minshew is playing out of his skull and is still half a yard worse than Deshaun Watson in terms of yards per play. So, like, I I just I just think Watson is is better, and I think you know that that game goes into the fourth quarter tied you just think like okay the texans are just gonna win this game though <laughs> though watson has a huge disadvantage of having adult as his head coach well that these are the the three factors that i like to put into it uh, that i try to mix together and see where it kind of pops itself out and this is something i'm really trying out for the second half of the season because i try to go to it and i use it and then i like win a bunch and i'm like oh i can't lose and i lose all my money thinking i can't lose but the three most important things to look at are offensive line injuries quarterback matchup and head coaching matchup so i think in this situation the jags actually win two of the three because bill o'brien's like the worst coach in football and their offensive line is just completely banged up yeah and and offensive line injuries are really big and that's definitely stuff that uh i don't think that stuff impacts lines all that much because the public is not really tracking that so if you feel really strongly about those um i i definitely think that's an interesting thing to track and use in your wagering I, it really is because as you hit on it's not factored into the lines whatsoever because it doesn't shift public money like if a quarterback goes that we've even seen the indie spread drop from minus one to pick them that might even be it's now it's now pittsburgh minus one so since so basically what they've said is that ty hilton is worth two points on the spread uh, I still like Indy in that game because, again, I look at the coach and I look at the quarterback. I'm like, well, Indy has the best of both worlds in this situation. Yeah, I, I like the Indy side by a bit because I don't even think T.Y. Hilton is that instrumental to to what they do on offense. He's very good. I, I would say he's probably worth about half a point to me. Though. Yeah, so now it's, it's almost like we're getting a free two points here. Based on, I don't, yes, you're right. Having Hilton would be a boost. He makes their offense better. But I think that taking him away doesn't do as much, especially in this particular matchup, as maybe you'd think. Yeah, well, both teams are just going to try and run a lot. Like, that's that's the whole deal that they're trying to do, is that both of these teams are just wanting to play very conservative. Both of them play very slow on offense. Both of them play very methodical. So it's also not a situation where you imagine Pittsburgh getting up by 14 and Jacoby Brissett, you know, having to chase, throwing to Zach Pascal and Jack Doyle. Well, let's rank these guys then. Of all, now that T.Y. Hilton is out, and we'll take the running backs out of the situation. So pass catchers for the Colts this week against the Steelers. So you have Zach Pascal, Paris, Campbell, the Frenchman. You have Chester Rogers, Jack Doyle, and Eric Ebron. Rank those five guys just objectively no price. Uh, Pascal, Doyle, Ebron, Campbell, Rogers. I would go Pascal, Ebron, Campbell, Doyle, Rogers. My man, no respect. No respect for Jack Williams. He had uh, eight, eight, eight targets and a touchdown in the last game that T.Y. Hilton missed. Did he really? He really did against Who, the Raiders. Against the Raiders? What did Ebron do in that game? Nothing? Uh, I mean, he Eric e- you know, You know what's funny is Eric Ebron is the Mark Ingram of tight ends, but somehow you no, know no, 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 no. Jared Cook is the Mark Ingram of tight ends. Oh. Uh, so in that game against the Raiders, uh, Eric Ebron had five targets, one reception, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Oh, that's pretty good. It's a good fantasy day. Yeah, good uh, good fantasy day. That He has not been targeted more than five times in a game this year. Hmm. All right. I, I would just say that Pascal is probably the only one of those five that actually interests me. 
I will, I'll, no, I mean, I'll for sure play Doyle. Tight end, tight end is such a cesspool. You do not need to play Doyle this week. You can play your main man, Jonu Smith. Uh, I mean, yeah, you can, but Doyle is cheaper. Doyle is 3K flat. Yeah, but he's also significantly worse, especially as a, play, as a play this week. Yeah, I would think so. I, I don't, I don't think he is significant. I, I don't agree with that. Like I could see no, the, I could see Noah Font having a better day than Jack Doyle. I guess the the thing is, is it's just it's a very it's a very safe spot. Like I just feel I feel very comfortable that Jack Doyle is going to get me at least seven DraftKings points. That's not doing anyone any good. Tight end is bad this week. Then pay up. Get get some more points better than seven. <laughs> I mean tight end. So so this week at tight end. Uh, in, in the main slate, we have on, on daily Roto, we have three plays as, as positive value plays. Can on I, daily Roto. can I, can I try to guess who they are? Well, you're going to miss one, uh, Waller, Ertz and Henry. No, er- Ertz is not because we had to adjust his rates down a little bit with Deshaun Jackson returning. So the three tight ends that are, are by our algorithm, um, like plus value plays. Let, let me guess. Jack are, Doyle is one of them. Jack Doyle, Darren Waller, Cameron Brait. Well, Brait might. We don't even have an update on Brait yet. Like we don't know if he's playing or not. Oh, Tanner Tanner Hudson season is going to be glorious. It, it would it be? To, that's the thing because OJK the full injury report at tight end right now. Brait is still iffy with this ribs problem that he's had. He hasn't practiced yet this week. We're still waiting on Friday to see what happens. Lacoste and Herndon doesn't look like they're playing. OJ Howard, Vernon Davis, Jeff Hierman, and Delaney Walker have already all been ruled out. So that has really opened up John U. Smith for the world um, at thirty eight hundred bucks. That's who people are gravitating towards as the cheaper tight end. But if Brait sits, are we sure it's Tanner Hudson? It's not Canadian golf sensation Ian Leggett or that other guy that they have? Uh, Anthony, Anthony Eau Yeah, that guy. Yeah, he played 41% of the snaps last week. Brait played 67%. Tanner Hudson played 26%. But that was more than, basically, they, they did away with Scotty Miller's role. So Brashad Perryman only played 70% of the snaps and uh uh scott miller played 10 snaps only so i i think hudson seems kind of safe to me but what do you mean by safe like he's a not not like like 50 like 50 50 to not get zero points oh he if he if if cameron Brait does not play tanner hudson will not get zero points okay how about this then since you love jack doyle so much and you seem to love tanner hudson because he's a safe play who would you rather play? That, I, I, need to, I, need to, I need to take that back. He's not safe, but he's fine. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ed Dixon is a game time decision for this game, too, for Seattle against Tampa. That's interesting. How many, is it? You, I just want to play some Luke Wilson. No, I don't want to play Luke Wilson, but like Dixon has been a part of this offense. He hasn't played all year. So if Dixon ends up playing, what is he has to be the min. I'm thinking he is. Yeah. I've we're this see this is how bad tight end is this week we're literally talking about guys coming off the ir playing on it like i mean luke wilson played a lot of snaps last yeah, week so yeah maybe, I'll, also maybe interesting but also yeah ed dixon is going to take over most of those snaps i would imagine i yeah i mean is he, if i guess if he's healthy probably they also like this uh this jacob hollister fella yeah but he's he's kind of a nothing isn't he like he's been there he doesn't do anything 
So he is like more of a, a pass catching tight end. His so he's he's played two games for them. Fifty two percent of the snaps against Baltimore, six targets. Thirty five percent of the snaps uh, in that win against Atlanta, two targets. Yeah, here we are. Cameron Brait ribs is questionable for the Buccaneers week now. Thanks, Roto World. That, that's fantastic news. I don't know. Maybe it's just best to pay up a little bit, get like Hunter Henry, and be on your way. Uh, I mean, if I was paying up, I would I would play Waller. I worry about that game just a little bit. Like if it works out really well for the lions, cause they can't run the ball anyway. And the one thing that the Raiders do really well offensively or defensively is stop the run. So it's just going to be passing season for Matt Stafford. And when we get to the ownership, it reflects that people love Matt Stafford this week. But if you switch it around, if Oakland who are favorites in this game do what they do well, they're going to run a ton of plays. Yeah, They just want to run. But they, they want to run and show throw really short passes, high percentage passes, high volume passes, like old school, basically like early early 90s bills, but without the no huddle type of offense, like four yard passes, like West Coast offense type style, the, the Gruden special, that they're going to run all these plays, but they're going to milk the clock at the same time that maybe we don't see the bulk of plays we expect from this game. Like if I had to ask you right now, there's two high scoring games this week. One is that game, the Raiders and lions game the other one is buck seattle which one do you think ends up scoring more points i would say like 70 percent. it's buck seattle see i think that it's actually detroit and oakland because i think that uh, there's a, just a big possibility in that seattle tampa bay game of you know Jameis just jamising so yeah, that, that's great Jameis can go full Jameis in that game but then it's also full Jameis in that game where he has three quarters just to air it out but in that scenario, we're talking about Seattle does an even more extreme of running the air out of the ball where they, they, they like, so in that second half against Atlanta last week, they had four possessions. Three of them were, were punts. Like all, all they want to do is get up 10 points and end the game in any way possible. So I, I am kind of sketched out by that game actually. Uh, I mean, I like the Buccaneers side of the ball more than I like the Seattle side of the ball. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know. I just, I don't think that Seattle is going to be able to milk the clock against it. Tampa Bay's run defense is so good. Yeah. I mean, I don't like, yeah, but they have Russ Wilson. Oh, have Chris oh how about this? Breaking news on the show right now. You ready for this? Yeah. The Seahawks have claimed Josh Gordon. No way. Yeah. Well, that's pretty big. Yeah. I don't know if he plays this week or not, but mm. they have to make him active by tomorrow at 4 p.m. Okay, so that's something that we'll end up knowing. What does that he, do? He, he's not he's not going to play. So he's not going to play. Let's just say he plays next week. Let's just talk about this from a season-long perspective as it pertains to Josh Gordon. So you now have Lockett. This is a horrible, horrible landing spot for fantasy. It's it, so it, bad. He, but it's a great real-life spot, though. Yeah, I mean, he probably sees... If if the, he shows up, he's ready to go. He works as hard as he can, and the coaching staff likes him. He gets thirty targets the rest of the year, tops probably. Do you think that he gets more targets than DK Metcalf does? Because I would imagine he does. Because Metcalf is just like go routes and red zone. Yeah, but that's super valuable in this offense because they don't have Will Disley, they don't have new Gronkowski, no. so they actually they actually need what Metcalf does now. I know I understand that, but it does seem like, I mean, Gordon's also a big body who can stretch the field a bit. He'll play on the outside Lockett will play on the inside. Like you can get rid of your Jaron Browns and your David Moores. I do think this is a pretty good upgrade if he's actually healthy. 
Oh, this is a huge, this is a huge real life upgrade because now they don't have to give any snaps. Yeah. To Jaron Brown. Um, they, they can play without a tight end a lot more. Now they have like good enough personnel that they can play, uh, like 10 personnel if they want to, which Russell Wilson is really good at when you spread stuff out like that. So I, I think this is a great real life landing spot. If you had to rank him rest of the season for fantasy purposes, if I just like go into my wide receiver rankings, like right now on your fantasy team, would you rather own DK Metcalf or Josh Gordon? I would rather own Josh Gordon because Metcalf is not a guy you ever feel comfortable starting. And Gordon, if you saw one good game from him where he was targeted nine times or whatever, you, you'd be, you would start him the rest of the year and feel fine with it. Would you rather have Cortland Sutton or Josh Gordon? Oh, Sutton. Sutton is like top 15-ish guy rest of the way. He's not. He's like one not, of the mo- not with that quarterback situation. He's not. Well, he's only going to be the quarterback for two more games. Right, because they 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 until, until this... Drew Locke comes back, is he any good? Drew Locke, I mean, he can't be that much worse than 2019 Joe Flacco. I think maybe uh, Sterling Shepard or Josh or Josh Gordon. Josh Gordon, I don't want I don't want Daniel Jones as fourth guy. I think I don't think it's his fourth guy. It could be his number one guy. I don't think Slayton has passed Shepard. Slayton gets usage because Shepard wasn't there. Well, yeah, no, you got you got Tate Ingram Barkley Shepard. Right. Uh, Jamison Crowder or Josh Gordon? Gordon Crowder's just like he—he's just the no ceiling guy. Yeah, he's—he's he's better Cole Beasley. I don't even know if he's better Cole Beasley. Yeah, we'll see. With okay, Robbie Anderson he's, or he's, Josh Gordon? Oh, Robbie Anderson. So I, I still kind of believe in Darnold a little bit. I hope I hope Tim Anderson is not listening to this, but I, I still I still think Darnold has like a little bit of game. Uh, let's who else down here? Jarvis Landry or Josh Gordon? I mean, it would be very biased of me to say uh, Josh Gordon, but I'm going to say it anyways because I like. There's probably no player I like less than Jarvis Landry. Okay, Preston Williams or Josh Gordon? Josh Gordon. Preston Williams is like, I, just like I don't know. I'd rather have Devontae Parker. Okay, Devontae Parker or Josh Gordon then? I think it's Devontae Parker. So basically what we're saying is that Josh Gordon at best is a low wide receiver three in a 12 team league, probably a flex. Yeah. And it's just like, but also you're going to know if you can cut him. I think, I think that basically not, so not this week, but next week, if, if he doesn't play, if he's not out on the field, you know, if he's not playing over Jaron Brown and David Moore, like you can just let him go. You just, you don't have to waste a roster spot on him anymore. No, I, I agree with that, but you're going to want him just based on the upside that maybe we're wrong about this. And maybe all of a sudden he's playing a hundred percent of the snaps and he's great with Russell Wilson. Yeah. That that's the upside. The upside is just that he has like a crazy efficiency season over the second half. Cause he's playing with this all world quarterback. Uh, back to tight ends just very briefly. Uh, you keep talking about, I still like Ebron more than I like Doyle. I just, if one of them is going to catch a touchdown, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Ebron. But with Delaney Walker out, would you play in season long, John U. Smith or Jack Doyle? I play John for the record. And it wouldn't, I wouldn't even think about it. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's John just because he probably does have like a little bit more upside or whatever. It, it would actually probably depend if I thought I was a favorite or a dog. I think either way you just play the guy who's going to be, scoring more points which is probably johnny 80 percent of the time 
I mean, the, the thing is, is that we have this big, long sample of Ryan Tannehill being pretty bad. And we also have a pretty decent sample of Johnny Smith being on the field and not being targeted. These, these like last two games of him being targeted is the, is only the, uh, the second and third time he's been targeted more than four times in his career. So I, I just am, I'm just really not that big of a Johnny Smith guy, I guess. I believe it, I think I saw it was like seven games without Delaney Walker active. Johnny Smith, he had the goose egg that everyone remembers from the end of last year, but even towards, uh, after Delaney Walker got hurt and Johnny Smith came back a year ago, I think that he averages like nine fantasy points per game. Yeah. I mean, I, I, like, he's like a, a pretty interesting player. He was actually good in college too. So I, I, I like don't, uh, I don't like think he's horrible or anything, but Jack, Jack Doyle has just for a long time been a very like consistent target getter. Maybe, maybe just like the, the daily Roto math is wearing off on me too much, but he just, he's just a guy who's going to get volume in this offense with T.Y. Hilton now. It's also a much worse matchup too. Like the the Pittsburgh defense is actually quite good. The Carolina defense is pretty good though. They're yeah. they're like fifth in DVOA. Yeah, which that, you which you love. They are bad against the run, better against the pass. But I think if you're gonna much like San Francisco, if you're gonna try to beat them, you try to beat them from the slot. Yeah, Carolina is fifth in the NFL in DVOA. That's pretty good. You have to think about how this game breaks down, too. They're underdogs in this game, so theoretically they'll have to throw more. And now they're missing their center, so the pass rush, which Carolina is quite good at, is going to have to bring the house the entire time. So maybe Smith has to block. That's always one part of it. But if it goes the other way, it's going to be Ryan Tannehill getting the ball out quickly, which would lead me to John U. Smith. Yeah. And I mean, it, it def, like that's definitely a situation where it could work out. Like, I think both of them are, are good plays. I will probably have both. Like I'll probably only have like eight tight ends total this weekend. And both of them would be in there. It's just like, this is like, this is bad. Even for tight ends, eight tight ends. Good God, man. Just play fewer lineups. I mean, maybe that's the answer. Maybe that's, maybe that's how you win is you. I mean, okay. So, so I think the tight ends that you want, Waller, Ertz, Doyle, Smith, and then one of Brader Hudson. Those are the guys I for sure want to play. Uh, I'm looking at, I think, I think John U. Smith is in the mix if you want to pay down. I agree with you on Waller. I think Hunter Henry is super attractive in this matchup. Even Kelsey, Minnesota has not been great against tight ends. And even with Matt Moore, like you see more of Kelsey all the time. The one that I, the pay down guy that I'm kind of interested in, I know he scored the two touchdowns last week. That's not sustainable whatsoever, but I'm just very intrigued by this Jets Miami game that I think that if Herndon sits, then Ryan Griffin is someone that you could probably play. And if he was the dead minimum, I would be kind of interested in him. But I don't know if I want to play him at 3400 I mean, it's $400 more than Jack Doyle. Who cares? It like that, that's that 400, like everything is priced so efficiently this week. And with Christian McCaffrey at 10,000, like the DraftKings guys, they did a great job of pricing stuff this week because you have to think about all of those decisions. All right. Um, quarterback injuries Flacco put on IR. Mahomes probably going to sit again and then return. Either, they have a bye next week, right? um kansas city has a buy in week 12 all right so, so maybe for a couple weeks so yeah uh then maybe we get Mahomes next week or the week after we'll see dwayne haskins is starting for the washington redskins uh bad news for scoring mclaurin but it wasn't a great matchup with Tredavious white 
anyway, he could still be like viable. I have him as a low end wide receiver three this week. I just don't like really anyone in that game. Just sounds like not a whole lot of points are going to happen. Offensive line injuries. Again, I wanted to highlight this. Ben Jones, the center for the Titans is out with a concussion. Uh, Tunsil and Titus Howard for the Texans, both game time decisions may not play. And then Joanna man, James, for the Broncos is going to miss this game too, which leads us into the fan share sports portion of this show. Davis, the highest owned players on DraftKings for the week. If you want to get full access to fanshare use the code PME at checkout, get yourself a discount and get all these good leverage spots. Uh, they have from aggregating everything together. These are the high five highest owned players. One at each position, not the highest owned on the slate, but highest at each position. Davis, if this makes sense to you, I got Jalen Samuels, at 40% ownership, I have, let's see here, Matt Stafford at 15% ownership, Darren Waller at 16% ownership, Kenny Galladay at 17% ownership, and the most popular defense of the week, the Carolina Panthers at 15%. Yeah, I think I think all of those sound fairly accurate. Yeah, I, I think I'm. I think I'm in agreement with you. I think Waller will actually end up being a, a little bit more than that, but that's that's really my only disagreement. If he's more than that, would that take you off of him, or are you just using him because that's the play in this game? Like him and Tyrell Williams and Derek Carr are all projected top three at their position. Yeah, I, it wouldn't. It wouldn't get me off him. I mean, probably I only want to use Waller with Stafford or with Carr. Like the rule I would make in the daily row optimizer would just be, you know, if Darren Waller exactly one of Matt Stafford or Derek Carr, because I'm not super interested in him as a one-off because I think for, for him to be the optimal play this week, I, I think he really has to score, you know, 25 or so, because there's a lot of cheap tight ends that are going to be popular that people are into playing. You know, we've covered five guys who are cheap, who we think that people are going to play this week. Uh, let's just talk about defenses before I let you go of who are the plays of the week. I mentioned Carolina's already popular. Now the Titans are down their center as underdogs with Ryan Tannehill. That appears to me to be the best value on the board, but I really like the Browns at $3,100. If things break right for them, you have a banged up offensive line that wasn't good to begin with in Denver. If the Browns can somehow get up in this game, uh, and that would lead me to Jarvis Landry as well, who I think could be in a breakout spot here uh, against the Broncos. You think Chris Harris plays on Odell, who's dealing with a groin injury, just a lot of room for Jarvis to work in this offense. If they can get up, it's going to be open season on Brandon Allen. Like that, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, the only, the only reason I don't think that they are like, I, I would rank them as my number two defense of the week. If I thought that uh, Denver was not cowards, but I, I think that their coaching staff are just, I think they're just going to be very cowardly. And I think that, uh, you know, really even down 10 points, I think they're still going to be trying to establish it. The only other ones like Carolina and Cleveland are my two favorite. Uh, I think showdown slight just, or even in season long, just play Jacksonville against Houston. That's going to be a good move. I'm on board with playing the Redskins. I think the Redskins at 1800 bucks. If you have to save money using anyone against the bills is usually a pretty good idea. Uh, just cause Josh Allen's apt to like, give you the ball for for six points so that's always nice the other one for me would be green bay i know green bay is pricey at thirty four hundred dollars but they're an attacking defense we know that the chargers are banged up i think the chargers actually win against the packers or at least cover that spread against the packers but i'm wrong yeah, on a lot of this too. stuff i'm wrong on a lot of this stuff it just seems like it's going to be a lot of chucking from philip rivers if you give them open season like he's bound to turn the ball over in some horrendous fashion at some point 
Yeah, I, I like the Chargers side of that game by by quite a bit as well. I'm I'm very in agreement with you there. Hmm. Well, that's that's never good. If we're both on the same page, it means it's got to be wrong. Yeah, that means that means you just need to be getting anything you can down on the uh, on the Packers money line. So do you said you like the what was it the Steelers D? Yeah, I like I like the Steelers. Uh, just uh, just for a, for a cheap defense, twenty four hundred. Uh, they're they're basically just not a bad defensive unit, able to pressure the quarterback a little bit. Um, they've they've been a they've been a very good defense this year. They've been in uh, double digit fantasy points every week since week three. So just just seems a little cheap. The the Panthers though to me are the defense I want to play the most. Yeah, and they're only twenty eight hundred bucks. Like they're not killing you. Like I if I was gonna pay down, I'd actually still take the skins over the Steelers take um, i mean i want i want to play washington just because it does uh it, it just does a lot of good things for your lineup you're you you can play a lot better players yeah like if i was gonna play the steelers d i'd try to find the 400 bucks to get up to carolina where if you just play the skins you can save yourself 600 bucks yeah, I mean, and uh, the so another reason why I like the Pittsburgh defense though is just because I am going to have so much Jalen Samuels. I do, I do like that game flow correlation there. All right, Davis Maddock at Davis Maddock on the Twitter box uh, and promo code the PME at dailyroto.com if you want to get yourself a discount on all of their products, not just football, but tell us what's going on over at Daily Roto these days. Uh, well, I mean, we have the the Daily Roto NBA Optimizer with. Uh, you know, the, the absolute best projections that you're going to get uh, uh, from lineupstudy.com. Daily Roto's NBA projections have the highest R squared to the actual results of any given slate. Uh, if you don't speak nerd, that basically just means that uh, when all the projections across the industry were tested, Daily Roto's were the most accurate to the real results. So, uh, you know, the, the fact that, uh, you know, multiple Daily Fantasy millionaires just choose to use <laughs> Daily Roto's NBA product really, really to me says all that needs to be said. Like I mentioned, the PME gets you a discount here. Last thing before I let you out of here, Warren Sharp just tweeted this out. In 11 personnel, which is what the Seahawks pass from 78% of the time, Russell Wilson is already averaging 8.3 yards per attempt, a 16 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio, and now he has Josh Gordon to fit into that. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, sounds sounds pretty good. Uh, the the issue is just you know how much are they going to be able to get Josh Gordon on the field, and if they're able to get him on the field a lot, that uh, that is going to be huge for them. And uh, I, I await to see the results. I think a very realistic scenario to me is that DK Metcalf just kind of becomes Will Disley in terms of the routes that he runs, and uh, Gordon and Metcalf kind of like Gordon goes outside and plays those positions. You can find my DraftKings cheat sheet up on DKPlaybook.com late on Friday night or early on Saturday morning. All the rankings for the week are updated with all the injuries. You can find those in the description of this video and podcast, along with the link to the Pat Mayo Experience Open Davis, which you should most definitely play. And subscribe to Davis's TakeCast. I will be a guest on next week. He's had an NFL player on. Always one of the better shows around. I'll be back momentarily with Dr. Jesse Morse of the Fantasy Doctors to talk about the most severe injuries long-term moving forward for your fantasy teams. Stay tuned. 83% of burglars admitted that they specifically look to see if there's an alarm. And 20 out of every 1,000 households were burglarized in 2017. That's from the Bureau of Justice. So yeah, you know it's got to be true. And what's crazy is that only one in five homes have home security. Maybe because most companies really don't make it easy. 
uh, they can have high prices. You have subscription fees. You have people that don't install it properly. It's a hassle, frankly. That's why Simply Safe is my top choice, hands down. Simply Safe protects every door, window, and room with 24/7 professional monitoring. They make it easy. There's no contract, no hidden fees, and no fine print. And it's won a ton of awards from CNET to the New York Times Wire Cutter, and the prices are always fair and honest. But one thing that truly makes Simply Safe stand out is their video verification technology. When some other home securities are triggered, a lot of times police assume it's a false alarm and the call goes to the bottom of the list. But not with Simply Safe. Using their video verification technology, they're able to visually confirm that the break-in is happening, allowing police to get to the scene 3.5 times faster than any other home security company. And for my listeners, Simply Safe has a huge deal going on right now. Go to simplysafe.com slash mayo and get free shipping and money back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash mayo today. Simplysafe.com slash mayo. Welcome back to the Pat Mayo Experience. Let's dig in to some of these injuries just a little bit more. Joining me on the line from the fantasydoctors.com, it is as you've gotten to know, Dr. Jesse Morris. Doc, first question comes up. James Conner, doubtful for week nine, but could return in week 10. Uh, we'll see about that. It's a shoulder injury. It's an AC joint. Can you tell me a little bit about what that is and what the perfect timetable would be for him? Yeah, so AC joint uh, uh, or, or, or shoulder sprain is a, a, a injury where you land directly on your shoulder uh, you think of like riding your, your bicycle and flipping over the handlebars and landing directly on your shoulder. That's usually kind of these, how these happen, obviously football, a little different. Uh, but traditionally, uh, where the collarbone meets the shoulder is the AC joint and, and there's ligaments that keep it intact. And depending on the severity of the injury, you can have one or multiple ligaments that are torn. Uh, the fact that he's, uh, unlikely to play this week means that it's not only a grade one, which is likely what Miles Sanders had. Um, instead, he's probably either got a grade two or a grade three, which means that at least uh, several of the ligaments are sprained, uh, if not completely torn. Um, the fact that they didn't initially comment on surgery means it's not likely a more severe one, like a grade four or grade five, which are mandatory surgery. So that makes me think that this is going to take a good two to three weeks to fully heal or heal to the point where he can play. So if he, let's say they end up rushing him back and he ends up playing in week 10, what would be mm-hmm. his chances for re-aggravation of this injury? Like, are you more susceptible to hurting your shoulder more at this point, or is it just a pain tolerance type of thing? Uh, it's a combination of both. Uh, the issue is that um, these hurt, these really hurt. Um, and, and, and you really need your AC joint for anything reaching across your body. So trying to grab a pass from the, you know, coming across his body, uh, think of it as like trying to grab a seatbelt across your body. So that movement is very painful. Um, and it, it takes time to, to allow the inflammation to calm down and allow those ligaments to scar down. So if he comes back too soon, he can worsen that ligament or the ligament tear and cause a full tear, which is usually then surgery. So they're usually pretty smart about these. Um, and, and, and if he's available to come back in week two, uh, two weeks out, he probably will. Uh, but a lot of the times they will wait to the third week if these guys are really still hurting. 
And it might depend, too, on where the Steelers sit. If they end up losing the next two games, maybe you don't rush James Conner back and just continue to ride with Jalen Samuels. T.Y. Hilton uh, injured himself in practice this week, hurt his calf, and now he is out three to four weeks. What do we expect mm-hmm. from him? Is that a proper timetable? Should he be out longer? And once he returns, how close to 100% do you think he'll be? So, so calf and, and uh, groin injuries are notoriously slow to heal. Uh, they are soft tissue injuries that don't get very good blood supplies and have a tendency to re-aggravate, especially in football. The gastroc or, or calf muscle is our propulsion uh, unit for when you're running. So you need this muscle to, for speed. Um, and you can't do it if it's partially torn. It, the fact that they're talking three weeks means it's not just a simple grade one. It's probably closer to a grade two. Grade threes are pretty hard and usually torn off the bone and usually require surgery. So that kind of gives us an idea. Um, as you remember with Andrew Luck, and he still does exist, uh, that these um, are, are annoying and they can re-aggravate if you, do, if you come back too quickly. So I think three weeks is realistic. I think three, or four or five weeks may be even more realistic um, because when you want them out there, you want them there good. You don't want them to be kind of good. Uh, when he's back, he should be close to 100% as long as they don't rush him back. Uh, Nikhil Harry is due to be activated off the IR for week nine. No word yet on whether he's going to play for the Patriots or not, but he was put on there because of an ankle injury. What do you expect from him, at least even in terms of the ankle, in terms of conditioning, and when do you think that we end up seeing him? I think there's a very good chance he plays this week. Uh, in my, I'm a Patriots fan. In my opinion, this is our, our scariest, most concerning game of the year. Um, Baltimore always plays us tough. They always, and it's in Baltimore. Uh, Lamar is a special beast. Um, so they need all the weapons they can get. They haven't had the best luck with wide receivers this year between Brown and, and Gordon uh, and, and whatnot. So Sanu's getting acclimated, but I think they're going to need Harry to stretch the field. I'm not overly concerned about his injuries. Uh, they gave him over six, seven, eight weeks to fully heal. And that also allowed him to learn the playbook, which is usually very challenging for most rookies and expect even veterans because of how complicated the playbook is supposedly in uh, new England. So I, I don't expect him to do a ton this week, but I think going forward, he has the potential to be a wide receiver two with upside. Um, and, and between him, Edelman, Sanu and Dorsett uh, have the potential to form a nice little tandem. If everybody can stay healthy. Yeah, I think wide receiver two, if we're talking fantasy, might be a bit high just because I don't know how the target distribution works out in this offense. Plus, Tom Brady doesn't really throw the deep ball anymore. So if that's what he's out there to do, it seems like a bit of more of a wide receiver five type thing. Like, I don't know if you're ever going to play Nikhil Harry, right? Not yet. Not yet. A lot of things can happen between now and then. I guess Between now and maybe week 11, 12. Well, the guy that was on the team, Josh Gordon, is now a member of the Seattle Seahawks. Not really concerned about his fantasy value there. It's more about the health status. So it seems like he was healthy enough to come back. The Patriots didn't want him back. They let him go. What do you make of this knee injury with Josh Gordon? Something's fishy with this situation. I don't know. You don't cut a perfectly healthy receiver Um who should be 85% by now, 75, um, and put them on IR after a week or two when you're trying to trade for new receivers. Like you, that's not something a normal team would do. So something happened here. 
Um, I think this is just bad blood and they're just like, we're going to cut bait and move on. Um, so I, I th- I'm not overly concerned about his injury. I mean, uh, he had a combination of likely a high ankle sprain as well as an MCL sprain. So high ankle being the one we're used to hearing, uh, these usually take two to three weeks and we're kind of in that window for him. Uh, MCL sprains is that ligament that runs North to South on the inside of the knee. Uh, on average, they take about two to three weeks as well. So as far as I'm concerned, he is pretty healthy. Okay, so that's good news for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks offense. We'll see how quickly he can get incorporated in in the Pacific Northwest. Patrick Mahomes, he's questionable for this week. I doubt that he is going to end up playing against the Vikings. When would you expect to see him back? And how long will it actually take for him to be at full health here? So um, I think what the Chiefs are doing, and they're being really smart with this, which I think is – how it should be. I don't think they're going to rush him back. I don't think he's going to play this week. The earliest timetable for what the majority of the data shows for this injury is three weeks, which would be next week. Um, the, they kind of did the same thing with Tyreek Hill. They didn't rush him back, but they brought him back on the early end of a normal return to play, which is basically what they would potentially do with Mahomes if he misses this week. Um, this is going to, he's going to have to wear a brace because the ligament that keeps the kneecap in place is uh, torn in some capacity, uh, whether it's partial or or complete. So he's going to have to wear a knee brace or even KT tape in addition to knee brace to prevent that kneecap from flip-flopping out. Um, And when that happens, if that were to happen without a knee brace on, he's going to, excuse me, re-dislocate it again and have probably even additional more damage that could be detrimental. So they have to be smart um, he's probably going to have off-season knee surgery to to to, re- to fix this ligament, but they need him to be mobile, uh, which is something he probably won't be for the next couple of weeks until he gets confidence in this knee. Uh, so when he starts, in, in hopefully not this week, probably next week, um, I think he will be good with his arm, but his mobility is kind of what we like him for, and I don't think he'll be as mobile as we're hoping for. Minnesota, Tennessee, the Chargers, the next three weeks. I believe that Chargers game is in Mexico City. So let's say that the Chiefs beat the Vikings this week with Matt Moore. Then you have Tennessee and the Chargers the next two weeks. You still have a stranglehold on the division, depending on how stuff breaks down. Mm -hmm. And at worst, you're definitely in the front runner seat for the sixth seed or even the fifth seed for the wild card in the AFC because there are no good teams in the AFC. Is there a legitimate chance that they look at this and be like, hmm, we have two weeks and then we have a bye week. Let's just sit him out a month and hopefully he gets healthy. I think that would, I mean, this is arguably the face of not only his franchise, but the NFL. I mean, you could probably make a, a valid case for that. Why would you risk his knee potentially permanently? I mean, if in, in a worst case scenario, permanently for two games that your backup could probably win you be smart and play the long road. Um, and have him ready for the, uh, the end of the season and then the playoff stretch when they're actually going to need him. While these games are important, I just don't think that they need his level of talent to beat these teams. Uh, they are playing the Patriots later. I definitely will expect him to be back by then, uh, but I don't think it's the worst idea to sit him out till the, till the um, uh, bye. But at the same time, he's going to want to be itching to go, and this is just the nature of these pro athletes. This is just how they think. Will Fuller has already missed a week with a hamstring injury. He's not going to play in London this week. Then Houston goes on by the following week. So when the Texans return in week 11 at Baltimore, do you think that Will Fuller will be on the field? 
No. Okay. I, I don't trust Will Fuller. I, I love his talent. We saw his immense upside, but he just struggles with injuries. It sounds like he had a pretty significant uh, uh, hamstring tear, at least a partial. Uh, on a best case scenario, these are four to five week injuries. Um, and, and, and I don't think he's quite going to be there yet. He's going to be close. I just don't think he's going to be quite there yet. Okay. Cam Newton, and this foot injury is not getting close to 100%. Do we see him again this season? No. He has season-ending surgery within the next week by Dr. Anderson in Green Bay. And that just that, that you know, if he gets, so it's what, a Liz Frank injury? Yeah. So he sprained his Liz Frank, which is essentially the ligament that makes up the arch of your foot. You kind of think of it that way. Uh, this is the same surgery that Hollywood Brown had in the offseason. Um, very important structure in the foot. You really can't do anything without this ligament and, and it's complex intact. Um, there, a comment came out, I think it was today or yesterday saying that, um, he really hasn't done anything in like six weeks and it's still not better. At that point, you almost have to do surgery because you've given it ample time and it's not healing. So you have to go in and reinforce it. Um, and, and he will be shut down for a good six months. Um, and then he will start to ramp back up. He is a mobile quarterback and he needs this. Uh, he can't just be a pocket passer. He won't be very good. So they need him to fix this to be semi-normal again. So I think when you go to Bob Anderson, when you go to Dr. Anderson's office, that's usually not a good sign. He is the, 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 Mar the, the, the uh, Dr. Andrews of foot feet, if you want to put it that way, usually a confirmation and usually a season ending uh, confirmation, unfortunately. Uh, last two, Curtis Samuel and D.D. Westbrook both have shoulder injuries and both look like they're actually going to end up suiting up and starting or at least playing a little bit for Carolina and Jacksonville this weekend. Would you, and this thing with Samuel happened midweek, then he missed practice Thursday and Friday. D.D. Westbrook exited last week's game with a problem that he came into the week with. Would you expect both these guys to either be limited or the potential to re-aggravate these injuries just is very high? Uh, I'm not overly concerned with Samuel. I'm more concerned with Westbrook, which is unfortunate because uh, Westbrook is a fantastic matchup. Um, the reason why the, the differentiate between the two, uh, it sounds like Moore's is only his shoulder, whereas Westbrook's his shoulder and his neck. Uh, Westbrook additionally has been dealing with this for probably what, three weeks now, give or take. Yeah. And he's re-aggravated almost every week. So when I hear that they're not giving him enough time to heal he's kind of putting a Band-Aid on it and trying to get back out there six, seven days later. Uh, almost like Matt Breida last year when he kept coming back too soon and he wasn't allowing it to properly heal and underperforming as a result. Um, the way the pattern is going to be run, I, I think that he should get a ton of targets, but I'm a concern of him re-aggravating it. So it's kind of a slippery slope whether or not you should start him. Um, and I just have a bad feeling that Westbrook is going to re-injure his shoulder, even though he'll probably play especially with the Jags going on bye week next week, that if anything happens, maybe they just pull them and say, you know what, you're sitting down. We have two weeks off. Go get yourself healthy. Yeah, I, and I think that would be smart. And it's not exact. I mean, it's a great matchup, but it, it, that's the London game, I, I believe. It is, yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, flying, I mean, I'm assuming they've already, already left. So if he already left, there's a good chance he's playing. But um, yeah, I mean, it would be smart for them to sit him, but I just, I don't think they will, unfortunately. All right, Dr. Jesse Morris, follow him on Twitter at Dr. Jesse Morris and tell everyone what's going on over at the Fantasy Doctors. 
we are ramping up uh, a combination between basketball, uh, a little bit of hockey injuries, and then we're holding down you guys for the rest of the NFL season. If you have any questions uh, or, or want to hear about any major injuries, we uh, try to do a major video with a, uh, a surgeon that actually does the video, you know, actually does the surgery every day. Uh, and you can check those out at the fantasydoctors.com or our YouTube page as well. All right. Thank you for being on the line. Everyone go visit thefantasydoctors.com. I'm Pat Mayo. You can follow me on the social medias at the PME, whether that be the Facebooks, the Instagrams, or the Twitter machine. I'm up there at the PME. All the cheat sheets and rankings can be found in the description of this video or at dkplaybook.com, just in case that I forget to do that. Again, if you want to get into a draw for 20 DK dollars, smash the like button for the episode, leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section, and project out Jalen Samuels' ownership in the DraftKings Millionaire Maker this weekend. I, like I said, I said 41%. I might be on the low end of that when all is said and done also subscribe to the pat mayo experience audio podcast rate five stars when you leave the review DraftKings handle something nice about the show you too will be in the draw for 20 dk bucks i am live 9 30 a.m eastern time with gary and in the cuss sunday morning make sure you tune into that special shout out to my guy adam ronis as well just signed on with fantasy alarm everyone should go follow adam ronis at adam ronis on twitter guy I go way back with we used to write at roto experts together real good guy sharp insight too to fantasy football far more serious than me and much better than me actually anyway go follow him i'm pat mayo good luck this weekend i'll see you next time everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why what do we know about magnesium well magnesium is the number one mineral that 75 percent of americans are deficient in If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.